0: Welcome to the Friday edition of the Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03. I'm Jim Goodis, in for Rob Hart today. Tomorrow, a huge day for legal sports gambling in Illinois, and we'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, the Labor Department's Employment Report for February is today's headliner, and let's break it all down with Gus Fauché, the Chief Economist at PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. So... Gus, what should we be taking away from the jobs report today?
2: The job market is very strong. We saw job gains of almost 700,000 for the month. We saw upward revisions to job growth in December and January, and the unemployment rate uh, ticked down to its lowest level since before the pandemic. So the labor market looks very good right now.
0: Now, Gus, some surprising numbers, perhaps in terms of wage growth as we look at this job growth.
2: Yeah, we saw barely a, a very small increase in, in average hourly earnings. I think that that's an anomaly. Uh, the labor market is still very tight. We've seen strong wage growth in, in recent months that they're up 5% over the past year. Uh, so I think this you know, very small increase in wages in February, that won't be repeated. We'll see continued strong wage growth uh, through the rest of
0: 2022. So these numbers, what do they mean in terms of the other uncertainties that we're facing right now? Do they give investors reason for optimism or is there still way more concern about for instance what's happening in ukraine than there is necessarily right now about how the domestic job market is doing
2: well obviously if the if The job market is doing well. That means households have more jobs, more money to spend. That's good news for economic growth. But there are drags from higher oil prices, which will uh, crimp a bit on consumer spending. Uh, Higher inflation could lead lead the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates more aggressively. So I think the downside risks to the economic outlook have increased with the Russian invasion of Ukraine.
0: So what is the key things or what are the key things to be looking at right now? as we look at all of the various factors going on in terms of uh, what we should expect moving forward?
2: I think the question is whether consumers continue to spend. They have a lot of money saved up over the past couple of years, about $2.5 trillion. The labor market is good. Uh, House prices are rising, so household wealth is high. But it could be that concern over Russia, high energy prices lead to consumers to cut back on their spending, and that would be a problem for the U.S. economy later this year.
0: And how much are we concerned about that? Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty right now, which makes it difficult to uh, predict where we're going to move forward. But is there a, a lot of concern? Is there is some of the concern eased by today's jobs report?
2: I think uh, today's jobs report eases some of those concerns, but we obviously don't know how things will play out. I think the overall outlook is good, but I think it's fair to say that the risks to the downside to the economy have increased over the past month with the with the invasion.
0: Gus, what else should we be looking at? What else do you have we not talked about that maybe listeners should know about right now as we take a look at some of these numbers and what's going on just globally?
2: Um, I think the question is, are we going to see inflation start to slow later this year? Uh, We've had very high prices for some goods and services coming out of the pandemic. We expect that uh, prices for those goods will normalize later in 2022. But uh, maybe strong wage growth, maybe high energy prices lead to continued high inflation. That would force the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates more aggressively, and that could be bad news for economic
0: growth. That's Gus Fauché, the chief economist at PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. Coming up, sports gambling in Illinois becoming more accessible.
3: This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
0: A big change is coming to sports gambling in Illinois tomorrow with the elimination of required in-person registration. And to talk about it, we're joined by Chris Jones, a spokesman for FanDuel out of New York. So, Chris, tell me about this.
1: Uh, Good afternoon, Jim. How are you? So, yes, as you said, the uh, state of Illinois has... uh change the uh, in-person registration rule as of tomorrow, which is an exciting day for us as a company and, of course, for Illinois and Chicago sports fans in particular. They'll now be able to download our app uh, from the comfort of their own home.
0: And what is this going to mean in terms of both access to online gaming and what will this also mean for FanDuel?
1: So uh, in terms of your first part of your question, it will mean that customers will no longer have to go into a casino or a location to register and then ultimately download the app. They'll be able to skip that process and download the app directly from their home. So when they do that uh, for FanDuel, to answer your second part of your question, we would want them to go through our verification process. And then when they get there, the first thing we'd want them to do is to click the little RG button at the top of the app. That's the responsible gaming button. And set a few limits, time limit, a wager limit, a deposit limit, just so we make sure we're keeping you know, our product as a form of entertainment and
0: fun uh, rather than anything else. So how has the wagering been? You know, we just came off Super Bowl season. Now we're heading into the NCAA tournament. So how has sports wagering in Illinois been going?
1: It's, it's been going well. Uh, we anticipate that it will get better now with uh, greater access to the app. Uh, Super Bowl was the most uh, gambled event mobily in the United States history uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, We transacted almost 8 million bets that day, and we were the second most downloaded app in the country that day, behind only Peacock, which is the NBC app that was carrying the game. As for March Madness, it's also a very big uh, event. Um, Customers that typically make bets early in the tournament um, tend to stay with the tournament all the way through to the end, so it makes it a a kind of a longer event than maybe the the kind of one-shot deal that the Super Bowl is but both are you know, incredibly important to our business and to the business of sport, mobile sports gaming.
0: Chris, if someone hasn't done this and is considering it, whether it be downloading the app or whatever, what would be your advice to them? What's the best way to approach this?
1: I kind of, well, certainly, you know, take your time, go through the verification process. Uh, and then I mentioned it earlier, set a budget, never chase bad bets. This is supposed to be fun. Uh, we find that customers that keep this within a, you know, budgetary constraint, always wind up enjoying the games a little bit more. It makes it a little bit more exciting. Uh, and those tools are readily available to anyone who it goes inside our app. It's right at the top of the app, as I mentioned earlier.
0: That's Chris Jones, a spokesman for FanDuel out of New York. Up next, Disney is adding a lower cost tier to its Plus service.
3: The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
0: Disney Plus is adding a cheaper subscription tier later this year, but there's a catch, and let's... Let's learn more from Tim Hanlon, the founder and CEO of the Verter Group here in Chicago. So, what's up with Disney Plus? Well, it flummoxes me too, Jim. So, uh,
4: you can be uh, excused for uh, <laughs> Thank not you. always
5: understanding what's going on. So, uh, yesterday
4: uh, announced, not a surprise per se, but Disney Plus, which is really the only other uh, premium streaming service uh, on the market that does not have ads, That the other one being, of course, Netflix. Uh, has essentially said that they're going to uh, venture into offering a, a, an ostensibly cheaper version with ad support. Um, this puts uh, Disney now more in line with just about every other major streamer, with the exception of Netflix, such as Paramount Plus, um, the Discovery uh, Channel uh, Plus uh, offering, HBO Max, uh, etc. cetera. Um, and I, I think it's a, a recognition. Um, as Disney seeks to uh, uh, keep up with Netflix and its gargantuan lead worldwide to grow subscribers and a a subscriber base. And uh, I think it becomes uh, maybe very remunerative for Disney because they're also very expert in the advertising game with, of course, most of their other uh, television channels and networks over over, uh, the decades.
0: Is it thought that this will simply boost numbers or is there a thought that maybe people will start with the lower tier and go, you know, I, I think I'm willing to pay a little bit more for not seeing the ads. It, what's been yeah, the I, like, uh, have, have we seen this in other streaming services as, as how this has gone?
4: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very good question. I mean, and the ultimate question is will Netflix decide to get into the advertising support game as well and, and subsidize, if you will, a uh, fifteen dollar a month subscription. I mean, that's really the word at play here from a business perspective is subsidy, um, and I, I think it's pretty clear that advertising, if done judiciously and not over-populating uh, with ads like there are on linear television, um, consumers can sort of see the benefit of maybe uh, having some of the freight uh, defrayed, so, so to speak, for their for their purchases. And I, look, the reality is that. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, people have many streaming services to choose from and more seem coming uh, by the month. So especially in a world where we're getting into inflation and uh, the markets are getting much more choppy and, and who knows what it cuts would certainty lie ahead. I think people are really starting to think through which subscription services I want to keep and which ones I can sort of afford not to. And when you add, add an ad supported option, uh, it does give people a lot more flexibility to perhaps to downshift a bit in terms of their cost by uh, letting ads
0: into their, into their lives. That's Tim Hanlon, the founder and CEO of the Vertair Group in Chicago. Thanks, Tim. Still ahead on Entrepreneur Friday, adding unique new items to the supermarket frozen food aisle. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
6: CBS News special report, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says no to a NATO flyover zone over Ukraine, but leveled more accusations at Moscow. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is a blatant violation of international law. and We have seen the use of cluster bombs. Uh, we have seen reports of uh, use of other types of weapons which will be in, in violation of international law. Former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster says this coming week will be critical for Ukraine. The next
3: week is, is going to be really vital. I mean this is when Ukrainians could start running out of basic, you know, basic supplies, you know, pharmaceuticals and food. Uh, and we also need to support them with more and more defensive capabilities so they can sustain their defensive efforts against the Russians.
6: Russian forces have occupied the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. Ukrainian President Zelensky urging world leaders to stomp Russia before this becomes a nuclear clear disaster cbs news special report i'm stacy lynn
3: information to make cash
0: and save cash the WBBM noon business hour continues stocks are trading lower and we're joined by brian battle the director of performance trust capital partners and advisor at pt asset management here in chicago so brian a lot to digest today as we look at the markets what's going on Yeah, Jim, that's an understatement.
3: We got some real, you know, there's real, there's Factual information, and then there's speculation. So, the factual information we got today on the U.S. economy is that hiring boomed in February. They, we added 670, uh, 678,000 jobs, and the unemployment rate went down to 3.8%. Great news for the U.S. economy, and labor uh, average, average earnings didn't go up much. So, good news for the U.S. economy. That data was completely ignored because of all the things that we just heard about on the news. Certainly, all the stuff that's going on in uh, Ukraine and Russia – and the knock on effects of this war. So the war is happening and it's a terrible, and human cost is un- unbelievable. But what's unpredictable is what happens when the world kicks out one of the G20 countries. So Russia produces oil and gas, but they're also a big producer of some precious metals like palladium. So markets hate uncertainty. And you certainly can't predict how a war is going to go, certainly, or how long it's going to last. So we're under pressure. We're down a lot more earlier, but we're down 225 in the Dow. But year to date, just to let's put some perspective on it, year to date, the S&P has changed s&p the the broadest measure of the market is down about nine percent and the dow jones is about seven percent nasdaq uh the high flying you know high tech companies are down about 14 percent so far this year
0: so what's your advice right now as we look at these numbers we look at the numbers that came in we look at the uncertainty in europe what is the advice for investors how should they approach this
3: so this is so this is an, uh, a, a macroeconomic episodic event. So I, again, I'm not diminishing the magnitude or the severity or the historical consequence of Russia invading a sovereign nation and the NATO response, but um, this is something that will be short term, we expect you know, that this will get resolved if NATO shows us resolve and supports Ukraine like they have. Um, it seems like this is something that won't last years and years and years. When you buy stocks and you have an investment plan, you do that for fundamental reasons and you do it for long term. So don't be a trader and don't react to the headlines. However, I would say, as I have said on the this, on this station before, is you have to know what you own. If you haven't looked at your 401k plan, your IRA, look and see what's in there and understand what your exposure is to emerging markets. Um, Eastern Europe. And you might want to make corrections from there, but what is definitely uh, not, you don't want to do is chase the market, like sell a bunch now or buy a bunch now, or you just have to have patience and prudence and seek advice um, from your provider, from your financial providers.
0: Ryan, I have to ask you a circle back to something you said earlier, is that investors are sort of ignoring the job numbers. Are they actually ignoring the job numbers or would the numbers we're seeing today be worse if not for the jobs report.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So, Jim, the the numbers that came out today are from last month. So this is, and unsurprisingly, the economy got better here in the States before all this uh, stuff happened in Eastern Europe. So the economy was getting better as Omicron faded and the country opened up. That picture is a little cloudy. So I I don't maybe ignoring it is a different way to say rather than discounting it, because the facts have changed. You know, we're closing off part of Eastern Europe, and certainly it's closing uh, its borders for uh, economic activity. This is certainly, again, going to disrupt the supply chain, and we're already seeing these effects here at home with oil today trading at $112 a barrel. That's going to increase the cost of everything because it's not just the gas you put in a car, but it's the gas you put in the truck to deliver the food to your house, and also energy and oil is an input in stuff like fertilizer, which will impact prices later on um, agricultural products.
0: That's Brian Battle, the Director of Performance Trust Capital Partners and advisor at PT Asset Management in Chicago. Up next on Entrepreneur Friday, a Chicago-based food company that's seeing a surge of growth.
3: Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
0: It's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're heading to the frozen food aisle of your local grocery store. And joining us is Bertit Spencer, the co-founder of IO Foods in Chicago and Priti, we've been following your story for some time. I think it was about almost two years ago that we started talking about your business, and apparently it has grown like crazy. Tell me what it is you do and how much it's grown and why you're so successful.
6: Yes, it's been quite an amazing two years. Uh, So our company is IO Foods. We exist to celebrate the ingredients and flavors of West Africa. So just under two years ago, we launched in the frozen food section um, at about 50 whole food stores and have since expanded, um, not only to other categories beyond frozen, but to more retailers all over the country. So we're, you can now find us in over 4,000 retail doors.
0: And tell me what it is that you sell. What kind of frozen food?
6: Uh, so we celebrate foods that, that um, are, we sell foods that celebrate the West African diaspora. So you know, one of the things that's unique about the flavors of West Africa is it's many slow-cooked, layered, layered flavors. And so for us, it's about bringing um, th- that delicious flavor to more people all over the country, but in a really simple way. So you're you're able to enjoy handcrafted West African dishes in under five minutes.
0: You obviously are doing really, really well, which is great to hear. How did you do it? What are the secrets? Uh, unless you want to keep some of them secret but what are some of the secrets <laughs> to to your success and the, that your ability to uh, take you know an unusual item that we don't normally think about in terms of frozen food and making it such a success
6: well honestly building uh, a business in the midst of a pandemic is a little bit about like uh flying building an airplane while it's flying right there are a lot oh my, of moving yes. pieces for sure uh, but we've been able to surround ourselves with incredible partners, not only on the manufacturing side, but on the investment side, which really enabled our, our, our scale uh, so quickly. Um, you know, since we last chatted, we've onboarded um, top chef Eric Ajibong. Uh, as a key partner in our product development and bringing on, we'll be announcing very soon, our second chef partner. So, you know, for us, it's very much about community building in all facets of the business to really bring um, the, the depth of experience to IO to make us successful in the marketplace.
0: What surprised you the most about from getting where you started to where you are now? What came up that that you wouldn't have expected that really made a big difference in your success?
6: You know, I think the biggest surprise is one that, honestly, we just really hoped for, which is that the market would embrace uh, what what we're trying to develop. And so I think I have hit a unique intersection of not only West African flavors, but unique upcycled ingredients that are really nutrient-forward, and when you look at the broader marketplaces are all things that people are really looking for. And so I think our scale is largely attributable to our ability to hit so many um, kind of needs that today's consumers are looking for. And so while, um, while it isn't a total surprise uh, that we've been able to scale as quickly as we have, um, it's certainly something that we're incredibly excited about.
0: That's Prateet Spencer, the co-founder of IO Foods here in Chicago. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. If you're thinking about getting another credit card, you may want to first take an inventory of what you have. Let's get some advice from Ted Rossman, an industry analyst at CreditCards.com in New York. So, Ted, how many credit cards is the right number for someone?
5: You know, I think for most people, the right answer is probably something like two or three. I could tell you that according to Experian, the average American has almost four credit cards, 3.8 to be technical, although it does vary quite a bit by generation. Gen Zers average a little bit under two apiece. Millennials about three. Gen Xers about four. Boomers, 46 the reason I say two or three is because most people don't want to make it overly complicated. Maybe you have one card that's kind of your primary go-to, and then you have a backup, or you know maybe you have one that gives flat rate rewards, another one or two that lean into specific categories. You could certainly have more. It just becomes a bit of an administrative chore at some point.
0: And it's managing them, and I guess if you're willing to manage them, there there might be some ways to manage multiple cards well. Uh, is that something that you really can consider? If, if you know, because you may have, as you say, different cards for different uses, different benefits, different perks, that sort of thing. But generally, that's something that you really have to kind of be smart and manage those well, right?
5: You have to know yourself. Yeah. So if you're the kind of person who wants to treat this like a game and really mix and match, and you've got a card for groceries and a card for travel and a card for gas and dining and you know, maybe one that has no foreign transaction fees and another one that has a low interest rate. I mean, there's a lot of different permutations here. Some people, though, even as we talk about this, they're like, Whoa, that sounds really complicated. I just want to stick to one or two, and that's fine as well. So I do think you have to know yourself. But some of the key considerations besides complexity would be, do you carry a balance? If so, then we don't want you to really worry about rewards at all. At that point, it should really be all about getting the lowest interest rate possible. Um, But then also other things like do you want travel or cash back? What are the categories in which you spend most of your money? These are some of the individual questions that can help you sort through the right answer for you. But I think for most people, something like two or three is a good bet.
0: And what's the best idea in terms of credit cards? Let's let's say what you have one that you're not using so much, or maybe one that you're using more than you should. You know, it all depends, of course, on your circumstance. But uh, do you run into that problem where people might have multiple cards and they're just not balancing the use of them correctly?
5: We do. And a good tip there is to request what's called a product change. So rather than canceling a card, which could have some negative effects on your credit score, call up the company and ask to switch to one of their other cards. Maybe it's one that fits your spending better, or maybe it's one that doesn't charge an annual fee or one that has a lower interest rate, by phrasing it as a product change and sticking with that same issuer, you can limit any negative effects on your credit score, but you can benefit from this new card.
0: That's Ted Rossman, the industry analyst from creditcards.com out of New York, who often gives us great advice on how to best use our credit cards. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app.
5: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s?
0: Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.